This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. In the distance, Edbert past the fighting, in the under the moonlight and the starlight, sees something on the horizon, something that is moving very fast, something that is going to complicate this session infinitely. Welcome back once again to Be Myself and Die. I am your intrepid host, GM and player, Trevor DeVal. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you want to help support the show, there's a number of ways you can do that. One, you can hit like and subscribe. That's the easiest. The other one is to join the Patreon, which is a real great way to support the show. The other one is to buy products from the links of the the, the books and stuff that I use in the show. That's in the show notes below. Or we got brand new merchandise handmade right here in the home office. So uh, that's kind of cool. If you want to check that out, you can go to me, myself, and die.com. But enough of the sales pitch. We are here to see what happens to Edward because last time we saw him, there was a mutiny on board the Drunken Ghoul. Now, how that happened was the Guardian had grown up very rapidly and apparently had attacked some of the men in its attempt to get to Carlos and Shoris Greta in order to feed on their blood. The long and the short of it is is that the crew was none too happy with Edbert. They started to think that he was in league with necromancers and demons and wizards because, well, he sort of is. He's certainly in league with Uraz Vath, the strange tentacled brain on the top of the tower. And also he has this bizarre monster with him everywhere he goes that has already attacked two of the men. So the men decided to mutiny and they were very afraid of Edbert because they knew that he was haunted or they knew something's going on with him. Sherilyn, by the way, broke through his will, so she is now, you know, he can, he can no longer resist her, which is going to be bad. So bad, in fact, he's going to be a minus one to everything he does because of the fatigue and the, the haunting and all that stuff. I hope I remember that. That sounds like the kind of rule I will forget, so forgive me if I do, but... Suffice to say that he should be minus one to everything he does before we go out. Vale as well. Uh, back at Stormsworth had discovered the location of the Soul Cage. So presumably, the Inquisitor's Leap is even now en route to the Dead Man's Reef to head Edbert off at the pass, we think. But for the moment, we are dealing with a mutiny on board the Drunken Ghoul and Carlos, who had been brought on side by the rest of the mutineers to lead them and to presumably take over the captaincy, now stands before Nicola having just issued his ultimatum that he is now going to be the captain of the ship. And I think before anything else happens, we have to do a little bit of bookkeeping. So, first of all, there is a new thread, and that thread is... Stop the mutiny. We had another thread that was half the crew is suspicious of Edward now. Well, that's done <laughs> because they've acted on that, so that can be removed. There are no new characters to add to our list, but our chaos factor is definitely going to go up to eight. On deck, Nicholas sees the crew with their swords drawn, their weapons drawn, closing in around him, and he knows that his his, his cause is lost. He knows that these men are now determined to take the ship from him. He also knows that Edbert is 
underneath in his cabin, he also does know that now Edward is haunted by Sherilyn, he's probably not asleep. And so I think Nicola, seeing his situation, shouts at the top of his lungs, Edward, mutiny! And he gets those two words out before a fist lands in his face. It is Carlos's fist, which silences him. The rest of the men pounce on him and begin to, you know, disarm him, perhaps uh, begin to tie him up, whatever the case is. But now the question is, does Edward, who is very much awake in his own cabin, does he hear that? Ooh, I think it's a good bet. I'm going to give him an alertness test. I'm going to give him plus three because of the nature of the situation. He's wide awake. Nicola just yelled at the top of his lungs on an otherwise quiet night. I think it's a very good chance. So nine or less, and Edbert hears the cry for, yes, he does. So Edbert, in his quarters, sits up in bed, not from asleep, because of course he's not asleep. Sherilyn is constantly hissing and screaming at him. Fatigued as he is by the haunting, he is still very much alert and aware. A couple of things are in play here. One, Sherilyn. Sherilyn has broken through his will, which means his mind is to everything he does. However, Sherilyn does not want him to die. She wants him to atone and stand trial for his a grievous sin. However, she also does not want him to get to the soul cage. So this is going to be an interesting thing. I think it's in Sherilyn's interest right now as the chaos begins to consume the ship. I think it is in Sherilyn's interest to prevent Edbert from stopping the mutiny, but also protecting him from imminent death. The Guardian, of course, look, it, it, it lifts its massive reptilian head at serpentine tongue, forked tongue, kind of, you know, flicks out its big, cold, snake-like eyes, look around, look at Edbert as, as though waiting for instruction. Edbert kind of grabs his weapons. Meanwhile, up on deck, Carlos gives the order to a couple of men to go down and apprehend Edbert. Now, the men are not particularly happy about doing this. They're kind of terrified of Edbert and his giant reptilian friend, but Carlos is insistent. The only way for us to take the ship for ourselves is to ensure that we eliminate Edbert. Now, don't be a coward. Get down there. So a couple of men kind of, you know, grumble, and uh, but they begin to make their way. I think there's three of them that go down, and I think when they get into the darkness of the ship, you know, there's a couple of lanterns that are kind of swinging and, and causing crazy shadows to dance wildly along the sides of the, the walls, the interior hull of, the, of the, the second deck down. They are carefully moving forward. These guys are terrified. They know that this creature protects Edbert, and they're kind of terrified of him, too. So they are going to very carefully make their way. Now, Edbert is aware that something is wrong here. I guess the question is, they're going to do a stealth, he's going to do an awareness. Let's see what happens. All of their stats, by the way, for these pirates are fives. Edbert, on the other hand, has an alertness of six. So, this is a competing role. Let's do their stealth first. Their stealth on fives is a success, and Edbert's okay. So, Edbert doesn't actually hear them, but I think the, uh, the Guardian certainly will. But let's deal with this. So, they carefully, quietly make their way around this corridor in single file, because it is very, very narrow here. This is a wall there. Does the Guardian hear them? Oh yeah, uh, the same, it's a tie because they rolled two as well. So the Guardian suddenly looks up, a forked tongue darting in and out, and it immediately assumes like a, a defensive crouch. So Edward knows that something is up here. He goes over and he slowly opens the door. Over here, this guy is definitely gonna hear that door open. He stops. He looks back at his comrade. The other pirate behind him kind of gestures him forward, but this guy kind of gulps. You know, he he gets a hold of his spear and he, he begins to go much closer. Now, the Guardian, it heard the guys before Edbert does, so 
it probably leaps out into the hallway to take this guy down. What is the odds that it leaps out and attacks? I think it's very likely. Very likely as an 83, which is a success. So yes, or, or yes rather. So this guy is moving along when suddenly leaping and loping into the corridor comes this thing. It roars with fury. The guy with the spear cries out in alarm and tries to get his spear up in time. Let's do a quick timing roll just to see what happens here. The guardian's at plus three. The pirate is at plus one because five minus four for the spear for timing. Let's just see who goes first. It's going to be, ooh, it's going to be the guardian. So the guy with the spear is going to declare first. So he, uh, yeah, I, th yeah, I think he's totally terrified. He lifts up a spear, but he tries to dodge out of the way. And the guardian, in fact, is going to launch a claw and a bite. The guardian's going to be at a minus one penalty, but we have a dodge coming in for the, the pirate. He's at five. That's all he's doing. So does he dodge? He absolutely blows his dodge. So he, he tries to leap out of the way, but he hits the side of the wall, maybe knocking his head a bit. The guardian sees him about to leap out of the way, so he does a bite and a claw. His bite is at 10, but minus one because the multi-action penalty is nine. Does he hit the, oh, six, that's really bad. There's no dodge here. The claw comes in at uh, sixes because of the penalty. Five, oh boy. So the first one, ooh, his withstand injury is not gonna work. And his second withstand injury is also going to fail, which means he, basically the guardian comes in, snaps his jaw down on the pirate's head and takes his claw and rips his head off, killing him instantly. The rest of the men scream in horror, and I think at this moment, Edbert dives into the room in front of the Guardian. Where's Captain Nicola? And the men kind of see him, and now they're, they're confronted with just a, a regular human as opposed to a horrible monster. So I think that uh, this guy is going to attack him. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to pull out the old Iron Sworn Lodestar supplement. This is a reference guide for the Iron Sworn RPG, and I'm going to use it for one particular table in here called the combat action because I just want to see what this guy does, what his what his first sort of tactic is before we get in and his tactic is going to be attack with precision. Attack with precision means that he's going to try and do a feint against Edbert. So the timing roll. The pirate is going to, ooh, the pirate completely fails. Completely fails roll of 12. The pirate declares first and he's going to feint and attack. Edbert's going to block with his shield and then he's going to counter strike Twice. That was the strategy stage. Let's do the modifier stage. The pirate is trying to feint and attack. His feint is going to be at fours. Does he do it? He again completely blows the feint. Edbert's block is going to be penalized by a multi-action. With the shield is 10, minus two is eight. Does he block? Oh, he completely blows his block as well. So the feint blows it and the block blows it, which means that uh, Edward acts first with his two strikes, both penalized at minus two. His strike is now with the sword, 12 minus two is 10. His first strike comes in, that's is a 10, and it's going to be six is the first one. Just gonna keep track of those here. His second attack coming in, also a 10, is going to be at seven. Before he can even get his attack uh, axe attack in, he's gonna withstand the injury of the first one. So against the six, his withstand injury is five and he rolls a two so that six gonna get knocked down to four damage and his other withstand injury against five is not gonna so he's gonna take 11 damage Edbert comes out and as the guy tries to faint Edbert gets his shield up it doesn't do much as he slashes and stabs him through the heart killing him immediately the other guy sees this there's a real good chance this guy sees two of his comrades just completely massacred by the guardian and Edbert I think there's a very good chance this guy's gonna turn and flee 
I'm gonna say it's very likely. <laughs> which is a 22, which is a regular success and a random event. So he sees this, <gasps> he turns and leaps <laughs> up the stairs as quick as he can before we get to Edbert and how he responds to this. Let us determine what the random event is. Event focus, 44. Move toward a thread. There's eight of them, so I will roll a d8. Six. Free Ura's Vath with the Soul Cage. Move towards freeing Ura's Vath. Okay, so what that means is as Edbert runs the second guy through and the other guy turns to flee before Edbert, like Edbert's about to go after him, but at that moment, he kind of clutches his head and falls to his knees. At first, he thinks it's Sherilyn, because Sherilyn is always screaming, always consistently screaming, but no, it is another voice. A voice in Edbert's head that he recognizes it is the voice of Ur Ozvath, and Ur Ozvath moving towards the thread of helping Edbert get the soul cage. Ed, uh, Ur Ozvath is, is looking at the situation from afar, he sees what's happening here, and he says, to Edbert in his mind. They have taken Captain Nicola, and it seems that their aim is to take the ship. You must stop them at all costs, Edbert. You must retrieve the soul cage and free me. And how exactly am I supposed to do that, Rosvat? There's the entire crew up there who I assume is against me right now. All I've got is this green fella here and the mad ghost who's haunting me. Yes, a perilous situation. I could offer you help, Edward. However, the help that I can offer may not be the help that you want. I don't care, Wasvath. Just send something before they send the rest of the crew down here. Very well, Edward. Very well. And there's a sense of consternation, a sense of wariness, and possibly even regret in Urazvaz's voice. Meanwhile, Edbert, I think, is about to take some steps towards the ladder to see if he can get up and do some good, but Sherilyn manifests in front of him and wails at him. And she basically, I think she basically casts some sort of spell of binding on him, remember, from the first season, that Sherilyn was also a powerful wizard, and she had she had the ability to manifest her magical powers outside of her usual ghostly power. So, oh, he was at minus one. Haha, <laughs> see, I've already forgot. He was supposed to be at minus one. <laughs> Everything he did, that's okay. So Edbert now does a withstand magic against this. This is important. Stamina rolls don't get penalized by the minus one, so his withstand magic is seven. That's pretty good, but I think he has to spend one of his two spare APs to avoid this, which will basically turn his withstand magic into 10. He's got to get 10 or less to resist this spell of binding that she is casting upon him, and he will. He will. So she tries to cast it for a second. He only rolled a two, but for a second, he kind of succumbs to it, but then immediately kind of breaks free from it, and she screams in rage as he kind of he forces his will on her, and her, her magic kind of dissipates. He turns back to the Guardian, find another way up to the deck, and he turns, and sure enough, the thing disappears into the darkness, presumably going to find another access way to the deck, as he pushes past her ethereal form and moves towards the ladder which leads up to the top of the deck. Now, this other pirate has 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 emerged from the top of the deck and it immediately begins screaming about how the creature is tearing his friends apart and Edward is a man possessed. I think they've grabbed Nicola, and Carlos has got Nicola, and the rest of the men are kind of surrounding the stairway here, waiting for him to emerge. Carlos Nicola there. And as he gets to the stairway, I think this guy fires a bolt and it 
fires a bolt down, and it, you know, like, uh, thuds into the deck behind him. And I think at that moment, Carlos shouts from, from up top. He's got Captain Nicola at knife point, basically. Take not one more step, Edward. I have your friend and a captain at knife point. I will slit his throat unless you immediately throw down your weapons and ascend the stairs to surrender. That is your only option now. Edward gets his shield up just in case somebody else takes another pot shot at him. I've got a better idea, Carlos. You let the captain go right now, or else I'll come up there and butcher every last one of you. That's an intimidation roll. <laughs> the men are already kind of terrified of this guy. So I'm going to give him a plus one to this intimidate roll. So it's going to be seven. Let's see what the effect on the surrounding men are. It's, oh, oh no. His bluff fails utterly and the men kind of jeer. They begin to, to hurl insults and jeer, basically ordering him to stand down, to throw his weapons down and come up uh, and, and surrender. If you're lucky, we'll only make you walk the plank. You know, things like this. He knows right away that his, his intimidation please <laughs> have uh, fallen on deaf ears. Ooh, bad news. Meanwhile, two things happen now. The Guardian has found its way into the water and is slowly now crawling up the bow of the ship to strike from the rear. It leaps up here and before it can launch its attack as one of the men turns and notices <laughs> this thing leaping through the darkness of the night towards him, there was a second thing that happened. Ur-Ozvath has sent help. Now, if you recall, Urozvath was a mad wizard who who altered the structure of different creatures and, and, and made strange hybridizations of various beasts. And I think that Urozvath has sent something to help. But as he said, this is the help he could send, not necessarily the help that Edward would want. Because at that moment, there is a sound, and it's the sound of like rushing water all at once, almost like almost like a vortex of water being pulled into a, a whirlpool cascading around, and then the sound of an enormous splash as something, in fact many somethings, emerge from the water, a series of them burst forth from the water surrounding the ship, bursting up, roaring with fury as this kraken, <laughs> this strange looking hybridized beast kraken bursts forth from the water and begins to attack the ship. Now remember, the Guardian has also emerged on deck here at the same time. The Kraken is beginning to whip its massive tentacles around. So here's the thing. Oh, this is total chaos. The men immediately break into panic. There's no way that they'd make a morale check on this one. As they see this, they begin to scream in horror. This is their worst nightmares come true. One of the tentacles goes careening through the air and smacks 
Carlos knocking him and Captain Nicola to the ground as the rest of the tentacles begin to grope for men and to try and grab them. One of the tentacles grabs one of the men and picks him up and twists and crushes him into two pieces. Another one grabs another man and, and plucks him off the deck and pulls him down under the water where he immediately disappears into the black murky depths of the churning ocean. It is chaos, but Edbert sees his opportunity. He knows that this must be the help that Urasvath sent. So he launches himself up the stairs, pursued by his ethereal tormentor, who has tried and failed to stop him. And now she, Sherilyn Spiritbane, sees that her charge, if you will, is in great danger, surrounded by enemies. A huge portion of the men are desperately trying to fight off these tentacles, you know, shooting arrows at it or, or, or uselessly slapping their blades that kind of bounce off the tentacles like it was rubber or something. Another group of the men is, are just, just losing their minds with fright, some of them even trying to find a way off the ship, although that would mean jumping into the water with the tentacles, so that's not a good idea for them. But the other portion of the men are fighting still, and I think some of them at least see Edbert and they they engage him in combat. Now, up here, the Guardian makes short work of him, but gets locked in combat with this guy, we'll say, chasing him around the deck as he's trying desperately to defend himself, as well as from these tentacles that keep lashing about the deck, grabbing men, knocking them aside, picking them up. I think some of the tentacles as well wrap their wrap themselves around some of the masts and begin to pull at the masts, causing the, the entire ship to lurch over to one side. It is pure chaos, but there are a handful of men who are going to deal or try and deal with Edbert. All right, Edbert does his timing. He's at plus three. His timing is going to be, ooh, his timing's gonna be four. Sword pirate, gonna be a three. Hand axe pirate is going to be at uh, plus one. So he rolls a 10. Battle axe pirate is going to be, is gonna be a negative two, which means that battle axe pirate is going to, uh, we're gonna keep this real simple. He's going to swing at Edbert because they, they outnumber him three to one. But there is another player in this as well and that is Sherilyn. Let us roll Sherilyn's timing. I don't actually have stats for her, but I'm gonna just say it's plus five and she's a nine. Battle axe is declared. Then it is sword pirate here who declares he also was just gonna declare a simple strike. And then it is Edbert. He sees these attacks coming in. He's going to block with the shield and in Dominion rules, when you do a successful block that applies to all attacks that are coming in in front of you. So that is very useful for him him as he's trying to defend off so he's going to block and strike as well at um we'll say battle axe guy he'll have a multi-action penalty of minus one uh, but he's uh, also minus one because of Sherilyn's influence so he's minus two and then the next declaration will be Sherilyn Sherilyn her powers are normally reserved for the undead she's not like a regular wizard she just can't start casting fireballs and stuff so basically what she can do is manifest to try and scare the hell out of all these guys so that is what she's going to do and then finally the next two declares hand axe guy and hand axe guy uh, does see Edbert attacking a uh, battle axe guy so he's not gonna pair he's just gonna attack in the modifier phase now let us do Sherilyn's thing first she has a fright of eight gonna be bad news it does succeed which means that each and every member of this three-man group here has to do a withstand injury role not withstand magic injury in order to see if they are frightened okay let's go from left to right the sword guy succeeds the battle axe guy succeeds and hand axe guy will fail so he could do nothing for the rest of this round but the uh, the very next round he's gonna try and flee as best he can well that didn't go as well as we thought it would in the modifier phase Edbert has to roll his defense his defense roll with the shield is 10 so it's minus two is gonna be eight and he rolls a six which is really really good that block is so good 
These guys can't hit him because their skill is only five. So they can't hit him. His block is masterful. Hand Axe guy is frightened. He was on 10, but he just stands there screaming at this manifested ghost. Edbert on four. He gets a free and clear attack on Battle Axe guy because there's no defense that the guy offered. So he is rolling at minus two. He's rolling tens for this attack. He will roll five. The pirate's withstand injury is six. The pirate takes five, which puts him down to zero. Then we go down to Sword Guy and Battle Axe Guy, but they can't get past Edbert's block. The first round is over. Now, a few things happen. This battle continues. The tentacles continue to attack the men, but here's my question. In the zeal to attack, does this creature start actually attacking the ship as well? Does it knock mass over? Does it begin to grab the strikes on the side of the ship and pull them apart? In other words, does this thing begin to damage the ship, possibly destroy the ship. It was summoned by Uraz Vath to help Edbert, so I think I'm gonna say that it's very unlikely that it starts to attack the ship, but we're on Chaos Factor 8 here, which means there's a 65% chance of a yes, does it do it? Oh yes, it's not an extreme yes, but it does, which means it begins to, in addition to attacking the men on the ship, it begins to wrap its tentacles around the mast and begin to break Parts of the mast off, huge sections of sail go flying off into the water, disappearing behind them. Edbert has to try and get control of the situation before the Kraken destroys the ship or kills so many of the men that there's nobody left to sail the ship. So at the top of the next round, we've got this going on, we've got the Kraken smashing the ship, killing the men, and we've got Carlos and Nicola. Does Nicola use this opportunity to try and escape Carlos and attack him? Right by the bound Wyndham who's rolling around on the deck. Remember that the deck is heaving and pitching as the, the Kraken is pulling the deck back and forth. Does Captain Nicola get a chance to try and basically attack Carlos by maybe trying to headbutt him over the side? I think he's he would definitely try, but does he get an opportunity? He is bound. I think it's unlikely. In fact, I think it's very unlikely he gets an opportunity. Still a pretty good chance though. Ooh, that is a extreme yes. So that means as they struggle to their feet, Nicola is going to get an opportunity to try and smash into Carlos and send him careening over the side, possibly beside this tentacle here. Interesting. Let us deal with that in a second. First of all, back to this fight here. Sherilyn is spinning around, having manifested. I think some of the other men are totally terrified as they see this as well. You know, in fact, this guy over here sees her. His hair goes completely white as she manifests, only to be plucked up by this tentacle and hurled over the side, screaming to his death. Meanwhile, we still have this fight right here. Actually, before we get to Edward, let's deal with what's going on up here. Um, this is going to be eights versus five, eights versus five. Oh, that's bad for the pirates. This guy gets torn apart by the Guardian as he rips into his jugular with his massive snout and rips his neck out. Bad news, the crew are dropping like flies. He begins to turn on this guy as well. Now, the other thing is, the Kraken doesn't know friend from foe. The Kraken is already attacking the ship. The Kraken is in some sort of frenzy. It's possible the Kraken begins to attack the Guardian as well. Let's just ask that question. I really hope that's not the case. I think it's 50-50. Unfortunately, with Chaos Factor 5, 50-50 means it's an 85% chance. And the answer is yes, which means that as the Guardian is attacking this thing, this tentacle wraps itself around the body of uh, the Guardian and begins to try and pull it up into the air. Over here in the central combat, let's go back to round two. Edward's rolling his timing at plus three. He'll be going at seven. Sword guy is rolling at minus two, I think. Oh, 12, he goes last. Battle axe guy is also minus two, I think. 
Sherilyn can still do something, and she's gonna be, uh, I don't know what I said, 12, she's gonna be high, she's gonna be first. Battle axe guy could not get us a blow on Edbert. He is unfazed by the ghost, but certainly not <laughs> by these tentacles going madly around him. I think he's going to do another strike at Edbert. Then it's gonna be Edbert. Edbert again is going to block and strike. So sword guy should have declared first, actually. He's just gonna attack normally as well. And then there's um Sherilyn. Sherilyn, she can she can pull a poltergeist thing as she's sort of, you know, fading in and out of visibility. She can grab like a barrel and hurl it at one of the guys. That's certainly something she can do. And she has done in the past before. See, season one. She is gonna go first. So her strike, we're gonna call it eight. She grabs a barrel from over here and sends it flying towards, I think, sword guy here. But before we get there, we need modifiers. So let's do Edbert's block. He's gonna be at eights. Two. Well, that's not particularly great. Nobody else was doing any defenses, so it is just Sherilyn. She's hurling the barrel at eight. She will succeed. She'll smash into Sword Guy. He will get a withstand injury roll of two, so he will take one damage from that as it kind of glances off the side of his head. Edbert, who was blocked, and now he strikes at Battle Axe Guy again. Again, a minus two. He's rolling on tens, and he rolls a six. The guy has a withstand injury of five, so he he fails that, which means he takes six damage. He uh, is on minus six. He is dead. Edbert runs him through and he drops dead, the deck becoming slippery with the blood of fallen combatants and the gore as some of the other men have been ripped apart by these flailing tentacles all around the ship. There was a tremendous crack and groan as part of the, the center structure of, of the ship is, is under pressure, perhaps from a, a tentacle underneath the water that's grabbing the ship and pulling the, the boards apart underneath. It is all bad. Now it comes to Sword Guy. He is the only combatant left. He is going to be striking minus two because of Edbert's parry, or block rather, and he will actually hit Edbert for two unless Edbert can soak it up using withstand injury of eight, which he, ooh, will. Edbert takes one damage from that. Over here, Nicola sees his opportunity. The tentacle over here is is flailing away, slapping the deck, trying to, to seize another victim to, to pull and drag him into the water. Carlos gets maneuvered to the back of the deck. Yeah, let's do muscle versus muscle, actually, as, as Nicola basically tries to headbutt Carlos and to knock him over the side. First of all, does Edward, or does uh, Nicola's action succeed, fives or less? It does succeed, but it's a competing roll, so you want to roll high. Now, Carlos's muscle is not great. It's going to be fours. Carlos muscle four. If he get, does he get four or less? If he gets it, he resists. And he does not, which means Captain Nicola maneuvers Carlos. His, his hands are still bound, but he drives his head into Carlos's uh, a sternum. Carlos kind of gets the wind knocked out of him and goes careening back to the rail just as this massive tentacle is slapping all over the place. Here's another thing. I'm going to give Carlos a standard agility test to see if he falls over. His agility is going to be five. He's a sailor. He's pretty good. If he fails this, he's going to fall over the rail. He succeeds. So, Captain Nicola rams Carlos into the side of the gunnel, knocking the wind out of him, but Carlos is able to steady himself and not get pushed over the side as this massive tentacle is making its way for him right there. That is the end of that round. We go into the third round now. Let's see what happens with the Kraken. Does that tentacle grope and grab for Carlos? The tentacle is gonna strike, but Carlos is gonna get a chance to dodge out of the way. The tentacle is going to strike at eights. 
and it will potentially grab Carlos unless he can dodge out of the way at five. Oh no! Nicola drives Carlos into the rail. Carlos stabilizes himself but does not go careening over the side. Carlos says, you will have to do better than that to get rid of Carlos. And at that moment, Nicola kind of looks behind him and sees this massive tentacle coming up, snaking its way towards Carlos. And he says, I think I just did. Carlos looks at him and turns, ah! and he sees the tentacle grab him and it pulls him out and yanks him down under the waves, disappearing under the water. Meanwhile, over here, the Guardian is also tussling with the tentacle. The Guardian tries to sink its fangs into the tentacle to see to get it to release the tentacle. I'm going to roll an eight, his bite attack, and he's going to, oh, he's unable to damage the tentacle which means that the Kraken pulls the Guardian under the water as well. Now, the Guardian can breathe water, so he's not going to drown, which is good. But the Guardian is, is currently struggling under the water with this massive tentacle on this Kraken, which comes back to here. This guy flees for his life, although there is nowhere to go. Captain Nicola has dealt with Carlos, and he's desperately trying to get his bonds undone. He runs over to Wyndham, and basically the two of them try and uh, escape their bonds together using muscle rolls to like burst their, burst their ropes, essentially. As the Kraken continues to tear the ship apart, my question is, does the Kraken can do significant hull damage to the ship. My question is, really, that tentacle or series of tentacles that were underneath the ship, have they grabbed a hold of the strikes making up the, the underbelly of the ship and ha have they begun to rip them apart? Has the Kraken begun to flood the ship? I think it's unlikely. In fact, I think it's very unlikely because the Kraken's been so focused up here, but we did already roll. He was going after the ship itself in addition to the men. I'm gonna make it unlikely. This is a 75% chance of a yes. If this roll is a yes, we're in big, big trouble because this ship could go down. 75% chance of a yes. Oh! <laughs> Look at that! 77 is a no, and it's doubles under, which means there's a random event. Okay, okay, that's good, that's good. The, the drunken ghoul lives for the moment. What is the random event? Event focus. 85. NPC negative. Who is the NPC? One. Sherilyn! What is the nature of this? What is the action and subject? Uh, the action is 35. Return. 12. Opposition. The return of opposition. Who opposes Sherilyn undead? She's opposed by Edbert's will. Well, it could mean one of two things. The first thing it could mean, Edbert basically, because of his bloodthirsty nature, he's living for the fight right now. It could have reinvigorated his will, so he's no longer minus one to everything he does. I think that's by far the most likely thing. Or it could mean something completely different, which would really screw things up. Let's ask that. I doubt this is going to happen, but let's see. Is it that Edbert is, has a renewed sense of will and basically throws off the fatigue penalties of Sherilyn's haunting for the moment? Is that the case? Well, we're, we're Chaos Factor 8 here, so I'm going to call it somewhat likely. It's overwhelmingly. It's a 90% chance. Uh, oh, oh my god. Oh my god. You cannot be serious. It's an extreme no, which means that's not what happens. That is not what happens. It's not that 
the return of opposition. It's <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what it is. The return of opposition. What is it that Sherilyn is against? Sherilyn is against the undead. She was the head of the Order of the Purifying Flame. What is the most significant thing in these waters right now that would be opposed to her? The return of opposition is in fact that which the Order of the Purifying Flame was sent here by the League of Freelords to protect them against. In the distance, Edbert passed the fighting in the under the moonlight in the starlight sees something on the horizon something that is moving very fast something that is going to complicate this session infinitely what he sees is a light a hellish red light tinged with silver and that light is in the rough shape of a galleon as the Crimson Viper, the ghost ship that has been plaguing these waters, appears on the horizon, making its way towards the drunken ghoul. Sherilyn reacts immediately, almost if she could, salivating, which she can't because she's a ghost, but this is her purpose, this is her ultimate purpose, to deal with the ghost ship. She, she can't do this on her own, but she's a ghost. She's not really in her right mind. She doesn't have much of a mind at the moment. But she glides over and sees in the distance the Crimson Viper ghost ship is approaching. Okay, everything's getting totally crazy here. It's so crazy, in fact, I think I'm going to end the episode right here. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you do want to help support the show, please do hit like and subscribe or join us on Patreon or buy some merchandise at the new store. It's all handmade and it's really good quality and you should get some because it's great. Thank you so much for joining me here. And uh, uh, I will see you all again on the next episode of Me, Myself and Die.